0: Han Solo. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. Fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. I've outrun Imperial starships. Not the local bulk cruisers, mind you. I'm talking about the big Carillion ships now. He's fast enough for you, old man. What's the cargo? Only passengers. I know I don't know much about you. But Racing through my head all thoughts about you. Yeah. You know I never try to hurt you. You know. And I hate to see you go. Yeah. I got something to say. Welcome Podchat listeners, you are joined today or tonight or this morning by a very ecstatic and excited Jordan Smith and Roger Brandstetter. We are recording this on Tuesday, December 12th, uh, following the Alabama Senate race. We're not here to talk about that, but we're still jacked up for it. We're excited, so we're going to bring you some great content here. We're talking about A New Hope. The Star Wars film that started the entire universe. This was a big freaking deal, even if some people did not think it was going to be at the time. Um, Roger, say what's up.
1: What's up? How's it going, podcast world?
0: Oh, God, I hope it's going good. All is right with the world. All is right with the world. Aaron Rodgers is also coming back. We're not here to talk about sports. Stick to movies. They keep on yelling at me. Tonight but, uh, is the Return of the Jedi of news. <laughs> oh, yes. This is, this is the beginning of the Return of the Jedi. I can't wait to get to that film and start making parallels. Um, so I watched this a couple of days ago, A New Hope. Uh, wanted to be prepared. I kind of watched it over the span of a couple of days. I broke it apart um, just because, for time's sake, didn't really have a whole lot of time to just sit down and watch it in one fell swoop. Still love this movie, though, man gets my creative juices going it's really to me just like an inspiring adventure saga um essentially we since we're coming in from revenge of the sith we have uh young-ish luke skywalker who's significantly older from the last time we saw him in revenge of the sith uh, approximately 20 or so years older do you remember the time frame for this uh 19 i believe okay 19 um Leia's in the universe though but spoilers we don't necessarily know that she is luke's brother yet uh, how much yet? older is she <laughs> she um <laughs> seconds maybe who was born first who came up first uh, i think it was luke padme was grunting Leia, as she is dying Ah, uh, okay she just loves alliteration um Anyhow, anyhow, uh, at the time of this movie, you didn't necessarily know that these two would end up being brother or sister, let alone that Darth Vader was the father, because they keep on making just these references towards Luke's actual dad, um, or not actual dad, but his dad being well, the, the best pilot ever. And he was a captain for a Spice ship, which I think Spice may have been code for Dregs.
1: It is. It is, in fact. I looked into this on a, a deep dive for something or other.
0: For the marijuanas. Um, but yeah, this is also brings in some super creepy moments between him and Leia. Hindsight. Other than what we'll get to in Empire Strikes Back, which is the pinnacle of creepiness. But you get some lingering stares. Um, Leia kisses Luke on the cheek like two different times and it's not one of those oh you're so adorable type of kisses it's thank you for being here Luke type of thing you know what I'm saying yeah that sounds about right I
1: mean in hindsight it's pretty creepy in the moment Uh, when this came out it would have been fine so I think we should probably watch this as other people like in 1977 watch this because otherwise it's going to get uh, a little awkward, like, five separate times over the next two episodes.
0: Yeah, so obviously one of the just biggest movies and smash hits of all time. Um, the uh, My initial thoughts with this movie and a lot of the uh, Luke Skywalker story and character, I always kind of thought he was a little bit of a, a whiny teenage Luke um, that kind of comes a little bit more to head in the next episode because of his Jedi training and all that. But I was just like, man, Luke, just, just calm the hell down, man. You, you got your moisture farm. You can spend another year there helping your uncle that raised you, even though you're not technically his son, just got to be a little bit more grateful, bud.
1: Yeah. There's that. What kind of blew my mind uh, in watching this this time, Versus every other time when he just makes the offhanded remark about going to the Academy, I ended up wikipedia the Academy. It's like the Galactic Empire Academy. He's going to be like a stormtrooper or, well, more likely, I guess, a uh, TIE fighter pilot if he ever went there. So I don't know if uh, if Lars was holding him back because he knew that he's some Jedi or if he's just going to eventually let him go.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next point I was going to bring up to you was the Republic's Academy. Um, it's essentially a propaganda-run institution. Um, and in a lot of cases, for those who aren't really privy to the political situation or anything like that, it might be very well seen that the rebellion at this point is the bad guys. Um, because obviously this is before the Republic, are Yeah, the Republic blows up an entire planet, killing millions. Um, this is also before that we see his buddy Biggs was... He says in the beginning, Biggs is going to the Academy. He's right, I'm never going to get out of here. But then he's like, oh, Biggs defected to the Rebels because he realized that the Republic uh, was not very good. No bueno over there.
1: Yeah, I just... Yeah, this entire movie at the beginning kind of, I would imagine, threw everyone off a little bit, um, just in terms of the just the setting, all the different characters. I'm not really sure that there was anything necessarily like this that had really come out. I'd read that Flash Gordon was sort of a, an interesting movie that people compared this to at the time, but um, I, I would imagine the 1977 audience just didn't really know how to swallow some of this stuff
0: the most I know about Flash Gordon is from the movie Ted. Yeah, so me too. I can't say I know a whole lot about that. Um, but yeah, there in my internet deep dive, I did find that there were supposed to be some more scenes added in there that had to do with uh, Luke's friends on Tatooine um, discussing their future plans, going to the Academy, things of that nature. So that would have maybe provided a little bit more context for what we're talking about right now. but. Um, going and picking uh, up some power converters or whatever the hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, but given the time period i'm not entirely certain that they would have had deleted scenes or extra scenes tied on to these movies um probably not until much much later when they were able to release dvds of this feature
1: yeah i can't imagine that deleted scenes were like they must have been a big thing and i know director's cuts were a thing even in the vhs era but it is certainly much easier to tack those on when you can just access them whenever you want on a dvd versus a physical like a tape
0: yeah nowadays you just hop on youtube and you can find some deleted scenes or even bloopers something like that but that's obviously not the case in 1977
1: yeah, when I go to Marvel movies, um I always forget before I go, but like once the credits start rolling, I just google uh whatever it is, um, Ant-Man post credits scene just to see if there is one, and if there is, I'll just be like, "Oh, I'm going to go watch this in the car." I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I made a rookie mistake recently going to Justice League cuz they had a um a, they had a credit scene, a mid-credit scene. But they, that I saw. But they also had a post-credit scene, like all the way at the end, after like the track listings and special thanks and all that. And uh, rookie mistake did not stay for the one at the very end. And apparently, it was a pretty juicy tidbit. I'll have to cover that with Quinn. Who? Quinn. <laughs> Quinn <Never> Kaiser. <laughs> um, so any any first thoughts? um going through as we we start here we obviously just get the great han shot first scene um what's yeah,
1: which uh which version of this did you watch did you have like the original theatrical release or uh, an update
0: i got the updated version so this is we're talking uh I'm computer sure. animated job of the hut thrown in there and um, just the the sped up and slowed down version of the Most Eisley bar, I believe they're in Most Eisley. Um, yeah, let's let's debate the merits of this scene. I'm in Camp Hans shot first.
1: I'm in Camp Hans shot first because I have the original theatrical release, and he did shoot first. <laughs> Also, it makes me like him more as a character, so I don't actually understand what the controversy is. The draw of Han Solo is he's just this renegade ace pilot, and it makes him all the more roguish, for lack of a better... That's actually a pretty good word, roguish, if he's going around shooting people who are threatening him, especially uh, some emissary from a bounty hunter. like Good for him. Of course he should shoot first. I don't. I don't know why people are. Why
0: anyone would really get upset that he would do that. I mean, he's just a scruffy nerf herder. Like, of course he shot first. Who um, you calling th- scruffy? <laughs> I th- think with the update, they had George Lucas, or maybe he did it on his own accord. They had him maybe change the scene a little bit and add some animation to make the uh, the opposing bounty hunter shoot slightly beforehand and have Han Solo kind of like do a duck out of the way type of thing
1: that's what I had read but Uh, I like the original version better
0: yeah I'm not trying to I don't really care if Han was quote-unquote defending himself by shooting back Um, it's just not the case I want Han Solo to fire the first shot man I think that's more in character
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, That remaster was in 1997 for the record.
0: Yeah, so 20 years after the fact.
1: Yeah, um, I think this was, was this in the era where they were editing um, for other Spielberg movies, for like E.T.? I think some of the policemen had guns in some scene, and then they edited them to make them look like walkie-talkies. I don't... I mean, your, No,
0: I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know this might be a different podcast.
0: Gosh, that's like when um, Apple changed their gun emoji to a water gun.
1: Uh, that's lame. Well, you know. I guess. As long as they don't change their knife to like a butter knife. Damn it, that a one didn't work. Butter knife, <laughs> a stick of licorice. Yeah. Um, just, Literally just a stick.
0: Yeah, so we're in agreement. Han definitely shot first. Um, that should bring us to our next little topic here: best scene. Um, I have, I have two written down. Um, what's your your ultimate nominee for best scene?
1: Uh, number one, uh, I'm a noted sunset lover, fetishist. Uh, so the scene where Luke steps out of the the family hut on Tatooine and looks at the sunset with a swelling Luke. Theme music is just, like, right up my alley. The dual setting suns, it's terrific. So I love that one. Uh, I do like the um, the cantina scene, just with the goofy music playing and all the crazy aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that, like, really... I think that would have gotten people into Star Wars more than almost anything up to that point. Um, just watching it a first time in 1977, only because... There's so many different species of aliens in the bar. They're just hanging out and they're cutting back and forth. The literal devil is there. Uh, There's the goofy band playing uh, Obi-Wan chops a dude's hand off. So I really like that scene for a variety of reasons as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point too. I don't know a whole lot about um, 70s space movies. I know movies that preceded that modeled after star wars quite frequently but this is an instance where they're showing just um alien beings not necessarily coming in and invading earth or being these these Mm -hmm. bad guys that are here to stomp out humanity they're literally depicted as humans but they look obviously different or hairy or scaly or something like that and um i think that was a pretty endearing part to the movie, especially with, with, like you said, the, the goofy cantina music. That's pretty classic to this point. When you hear that, you know exactly what it's from.
1: Yeah, for sure. I always compare that scene to walking into one of the bars in Whitewater, Wisconsin, where I went to college, just total mess, goofy music, (laughs) tons of weird looking aliens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's, that seems about right. Um, but yeah, the, the Luke scene that you were talking about, that's definitely up there because this is just a, to me, it's all about the John Williams in this. If you've been listening to our DC Extended Universe podcast, you know I'm a definite homer for the Hans Zimmer scores. John Williams' Star Wars is just, it's the a goddamn goat. classic. Yeah, he it is, is so good. classic. Uh, it's obviously right up there with the the next feature that him and Lucas and Spielberg work on. Uh, Little little tale called Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark in that trilogy, um, but yeah, that was a good one. I have Han shot first. Um, I have a pretty close second, and to me, I always like those subtle, like semi-comedic scenes. Um, after they escape the Death Star, uh, this is kind of when they're just hanging out in the cockpit. Um, and then Han Solo's kind of talking to Luke, asking him these questions about Leia. Um, because Han Solo, you could just tell the expression on his face. And um, Harrison Ford plays this pretty damn well. Because he's, He sees Luke and he watches Luke watch Leia walk out. And he's like, so, you ever think a princess could go for a guy like me? And he's just hes just giving Luke shit the entire time because he knows. He doesn't want it, the actual answer. It's all rhetorical to him. Um but I always thought that was pretty damn funny. You know, it was a a quick glimpse into what their obviously friendship and bromance starts to evolve into is Han Solo being the the Joker rebellious type and Luke being the the straight arrow, do the right thing guy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah. Harrison Ford is one of my favorite actors, um, just generally. I don't know if he's cool as a person. I know that he's a pretty terrible pilot, but uh, as an actor, he's one of my favorite actors. And this movie, just like, I didn't see this before Indiana Jones or before any of the other movies that I like him in, but he's just awesome in this. He's, if we get to casting, uh, he's 1000% the perfect actor to play this. I cannot pick someone else out of a list. Of any actor from any time frame that would top him in this role.
0: Oh yeah, I have a good little tidbit about um, Harrison Ford's casting. Definitely one of my favorite actors of all time because he was in two of the greatest trilogies of all time. Uh, my favorite, actually, uh, most recent Harrison Ford story is the uh, the Carrie Fisher memoir that came out last year. You remember this little tidbit? Uh, uh go on. Where she she talks about her little uh, salacious affair that her and Harrison Ford had while uh, filming probably this movie. I can't really recall when it started, obviously. But they had a little bit of an affair, and she messaged uh, Harrison Ford to let him know, like, hey, this is going to be in the memoir, and it's probably going to come back. And she tells the story, and the only thing Harrison – Ford replied back, was lawyer with an exclamation point. (laughs) I think think that pretty much defines his character, like as a person, pretty well. Just funny, doesn't actually give a shit, but will throw little darts like that out to you.
1: Ironically, I think he kind of plays the straight guy in real life. Like he'll be in on the joke, but he'll just reply something
0: get the hell out of my house (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely um god i love harrison ford but yeah best scene um let's segue right into best line because mine just comes right from harrison ford uh it was it was during the the chase scene where the two luke and han are in the turret shooting Uh, great kid don't get cocky I love that line because it is topical for everyday use, just about. Um and is something almost tells me it was like slightly improvised by Harrison Ford. I don't know. He just plays it like he's uh he's like the irritated like vet who's obviously just been in a ton of chases before Han Solo I'm talking about now. And um yeah, I just love that line. I think it's hilarious and the best line of the movie.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. It's fantastic. It's great coming from uh Han Solo, the cockiest pilot in the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> don't get cocky. That's my job. Yeah, right. Um uh I don't, I don't know if I wrote down any best lines. The ones that pop to mind immediately are um Vader choking that dude uh, saying that I find your lack of faith disturbing was just cool. Cause you know, he's choking him. He's doing Darth Vader stuff, uh, saying, don't not believe in the force. Uh, and here's why.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, especially with relevant media today, that's, that's memeable. you know, you see it all the time. Yeah. You see it on t-shirts now. Um, it, it sets a pretty classic line. And, a hell of a lot better than the Darth Vader jabs that were being tossed out in rogue one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I also have uh Luke uh, when he is looking at that hologram in his hut on Tatooine uh, from R2D2 and he's playing a hologram of princess Leia. He goes, who is she? She's beautiful, I'm like, bro. That's her
0: sister. What are you doing? <laughs> Instantly. I had that written down too. I'm like, Instantly, Luke Skywalker thinks his sister is hot. No, oh, she's beautiful. She kind of looks like me. <laughs> to his credit, to his credit, he wouldn't have known, couldn't have known. And I'm trying to put myself in his situation, but, oh, man, the hindsight here is just big, bold letters, 2020. Numbers, yeah, I, 2020. I'm actually kind of,
1: I, We. What, this is probably a better discussion for the next pod, given uh the brother-sister interactions in that one. But I kind of want to know at what point that George Lucas decided that they're going to be brother and sister, because it was not in this one. It was definitely not in the second one. So I guess it would have been sometime between second and third. But, uh, he, I mean, he knew that they kissed, right? Like on the lips.
0: Well, see, that's a weird point, and it brings up a lot of like the sequencing with the movie. So, the subtitle, A New Hope, wasn't added until sometime after the fact. Um, they just called it Star Wars, as many people know, mostly because they were like, hey, if this isn't a hit, we're obviously not going to green light a trilogy or let alone a sequel to this movie. Um, so, my f- gut feeling is through the first movie. He didn't know, obviously, that Leia was his sister, but I also don't think George Lucas knew whether or not he was going to make Darth Vader the father. I mean, I guess his name is Vader, and that's like Dutch for father or something like that. But it, it yeah. almost feels like he was, he was ready to, to cut it at the end, basically.
1: I did not know that about Vader, but that sounds kind of right. Um, Dutch yeah, Western,
0: I uh, that's perfect.
1: We can um, we can circle back to this on the next pod.
0: Yeah. Um, one thing I'll add to that, too, is the Death Star exploding machine. Um, some people wanted George Lucas to not include the scene with Darth Vader, like, spinning off into space. Um, but Lucas just wanted to add that scene in there. He didn't want to necessarily tie up loose ends right away he wants to keep some things left to the imagination and for the hopeful sequel which obviously this one did bomb numbers um yeah he wanted to keep that in there so that's just a little extra
1: okay that sounds about right um i i feel like once they shoot some of these i mean in 1977 special effects scenes they would have probably not wanted to throw them out i would assume it took a lot of time and effort to make the models of these ships and have them spin out and look like it's actually in space so i i get that he's being yeah. thrifty that's street and
0: fighting this took a lot of work too speaking of like the the ships and everything during the um, production of some of those space battles those dog fights um when they're in the Millennium Falcon, there's a scene where they have the TIE Fighters flying by. Um, George Lucas told the special effects teams, he's like, hey, I want these TIE Fighters to like go whizzing past um, the Millennium Falcon. And to them, they thought that meant that the the TIE Fighters would be just slightly faster, just kind of going in, almost in slow motion in front of the windows. But to him, he's like, no, no, these got to look like they're cruising and they had to not only make the ships fly, but they had to make the background kind of rotate to make it look like the ships were going faster. Uh it, it's kind of hard to explain, obviously, in a visual. No, I mean it would have, would have been, been better.
1: F- some sort of force perspective where I mean it's moving fast, but using the background to make it look like it's going
0: Yeah, precisely as, as fast so, as a
1: Starfighter would go.
0: Yeah. So Basically I say all that to say they had to be pretty damn creative with getting a lot of these takes, especially in 77.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Um, I would imagine that, um, his work on jaws probably helped with this one quite a bit just in terms, um, no, I'm thinking Spielberg. Why did I Never (laughs) Um,
0: no, I'm, Spielberg and Lucas were tight, though. Like
1: I know they're buddies. Um, I was watching. There's a reason I said that too. The um, there's a documentary on HBO semi recently um, about Steven Spielberg. Oh yeah. And there was a point when they were talking about how all the uh, power directors in Hollywood all basically hung out. So like Coppola and. Um, Spielberg, George Lucas, and like Brian De Palma and Martin Scorsese yeah. he would all like just go and chill. And um George Lucas, I guess, was pitching this Star Wars idea. And um, I guess it would have had to have been Steven Spielberg, or they wouldn't have really brought it up in the documentary. But um he's describing this like space opera, this epic, and there wasn't really a good way to introduce people to this world and to give them context to make them understand what was going on uh to just say like okay these are the two factions this is the reason that this first scene is happening and i guess it would have been spielberg or one of those dudes suggested that opening crawl and that's how that got in there oh nice yeah Um, i mean it's iconic in a galaxy far away and just the blaring music and that crawl is like iconic. It's just crazy. That was kind of an afterthought just to make people better be able to understand what's going on.
0: Yeah. I actually have a a tidbit about that opening crawl too. Um, If you want to get to some of this um, internet research, deep dive information. um, Otherwise, if you got any like initial notes, on the movie. Now would be a good time.
1: <laughs> shoot or shoot, go for it. What do you got?
0: Okay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, that is an interesting part about the Spielberg little documentary there. I do have that um, Spielberg was one of the people, obviously he's just a really good friend to George Lucas, but he thought the movie would make millions. Um, Brian De Palma, for those who don't know, he directed movies like Scarface and Mission Impossible, the first one. Um, he thought it, when he first saw, um, I don't know if it was a daily or if it was just a first cut of the movie, he thought it'd be the worst movie ever. <laughs> Brian De Palma was not in on the movie. Um, however, with the suggestion of the opening crawl, um, Brian De Palma did help edit that opening crawl text. Uh, because they they had like an outline, I guess, or something like that initially, and that shit was like six paragraphs long and it was just kind of not very comprehensible and it was just too much information and De Palm was just like, do you really think people are going to sit here at the beginning of this movie and read everything on this opening crawl? So he helped him like edit it and condense um, that opening sequence.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I... <laughs> I I'm going to question some of Brian De Palma's um, judgment only because like, I do like the movie star Scarface, but there's a lot of very questionable stuff that went down in that. And I think that's probably his most iconic film. So if he's throwing haze at that opening crawl, I'm going to question some of his stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's okay. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Classic movie. <lineup.
1: laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, Brian De Palma. Back to Spielberg. Um, like I mentioned before, him and George were pretty good pals. Um, you there? Um, that's where they came up with the idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark when they were on vacation because they thought Star Wars was going to flop.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I'd heard that at some point, too. i just cut out for a while and heard like the last uh, p- sentence of that anecdote, but I've heard it before. So. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. <laughs> well, then it all works out. Yes! Uh, but yeah, that that's pretty cool because obviously that just catapults Harrison Ford from... Climbing up his the ladder of his prime.
1: To climbing up the whip to escape that giant rolling ball.
0: (laughs) Yeah, to just literally becoming another icon. Like Han Solo and Indiana Jones are just iconic characters in general, and Harrison Ford played both of them.
1: Yeah, without this movie, Harrison Ford does not become Harrison Ford like obviously he doesn't become Harrison Ford but he doesn't get all these other iconic parts he's not sexy man alive he doesn't get to be a terrible pilot
0: yeah can you I know this is kind of off the cuff but can you think of another actor who just played two super iconic characters or roles that you just know by name and even if you haven't seen the movies you know these characters
1: Mm, yeah, who am I thinking
0: of? Um, I can only think of one actor right now, and it's not somebody that's, you know, uh, it's uh, not like Daniel Day-Lewis or anything like that. Him too, though. Well, I mean, a- name a Abraham,
1: Abraham Lincoln.
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> come on.
1: <laughs> and, um, and Bill Cutter from <laughs> You basically, I mean, it, it, other than like a Leo or a Matt Damon, I guess there's not really that many characters per se that they would have played. I mean, like Jack Dawson, obviously, um, and Jason Bourne, respectively, for Matt Damon. I mean, those two, I think, would have the best chances. Otherwise, I was going to say like Al Pacino, just because Al Pacino's... Al Pacino's fairly, good.
0: Or um, were you going to say... Uh, Jason Bourne and just kid from Mars guy, <laughs> a guy that keeps on getting lost in space. Will uh, Hunting and Private Ryan. Will Hunting, there you go. Hey, awesome. Private Ryan. Yeah, I mean we can keep going, but no, mine. I was gonna say was Sylvester Stallone.
1: Oh yeah, Rocky and Rambo.
0: Yeah, Rocky Balboa, John Rambo. You, I'm uh, maybe not the the John part, but you hear Rambo, you hear Rocky. Just those two, you instantly know. And that's Stallone. That obviously set him up for the rest of his life. God, I'm trying to think of another actor or actress where they just played two iconic characters like that.
1: Uh, like a Vin Diesel, perhaps. I mean, he was um,
0: Don Toretto, obviously. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then Riddick, but Triple X. Whatever his character, Triple X, Xander Cage. See, I, I only know. know that because they had Return of the Xander Cage just come out.
1: Um. Yeah. Super I mean, movie. By the uh, way, these are all like singular actors, though that everyone has heard of. So that sort of speaks to where Harrison Ford is at.
0: Yeah. Exactly. In the same way that. Um, Well, Harrison Ford was an American Graffiti before Star Wars, but in the same way that Star Wars kind of propelled Harrison Ford into superstardom, uh, Rocky really did that for Stallone because he only had like a few dollars in his uh, bank account, I guess, when he had the script for Rocky just ready to sell. Um, So those are two different sort of turns on it, I guess. Yeah, for sure.
1: And yeah. I Harrison Ford is just great. We should do a Harrison Ford cast or an Indiana Jones series podcast. All I all three of them because they only made three.
0: I wouldn't mind just going down Harrison Ford's IMDB and just talking about role after role. Cause he's still going right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of turds in there, but uh, overall I'm, I mean, he's was in um, apocalypse now for God's sake, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars. Blade runner. Yeah, we can keep going.
0: Harrison Ford. Um, God, this is like when me and Quinn were talking about Gal Gadot. (laughs) Hey, we can start talking about Gal
1: Gadot too. I'm fine with that.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Put her in a star Wars movie. She's got next. Um, Oh, body count. you ready for the body count in this movie.
1: Uh, yes, let's do this.
0: When I first saw this number, um, uh, it was a, a little bit of a dyslexic moment because i thought it was totally off because i thought it was at the million mark but it's actually into the billions okay two,
1: oh yeah i guess they did destroy a planet
0: two billion two million seven hundred and ninety five thousand one hundred and ninety two i don't know how they got that exact number <laughs> that's what i'm laughing at. <laughs> that's just that's just what i found that was the the initial body count maybe they had some sort of Backstory, total population of Alderaan going in there. Um, But yeah, literally destruction of an entire planet, destruction of an entire super space station with undoubtedly millions of uh, soldiers and crew members and even down to cooks and janitors, something like that. Um, But yeah, over 2 billion people were just murdered in this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, Alderon would be where the bulk of those happened. Uh, Luke's—I just pulled this up. Luke Skywalker has eighty kills between. Uh, I guess it probably most. Well, that doesn't make sense either. If he has eighty kills, because he—he's the one who does blow up the Death Star. I guess maybe they're thinking individual kills.
0: Where would he've gotten those individual kills, though? I mean, he—he sh- uh-huh. he shot down that one Tie Fighter.
1: Eighty, and maybe it's the named characters. What the frick? Yeah, this might be off. This all this website's also in like terrible HTML. HTML. So maybe,
0: maybe uh, that's total like career
1: kills for Luke Skywalker. Moviebodycounts.com seems like a way better site. Entire film 75, but yeah, they blew up a planet. <laughs> um,
0: 75.
1: Here's the other wow. thing. I did have this written down. Leia does not seem like the most torn up when Eldron gets blown up.
0: Like you know she what? definitely doesn't
1: want it to happen, but she's like,
0: Oh oh no. Are her adoptive parents on that planet? Yeah. The, um,
1: the Oregonas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith. R.I.P. Jimmy Smith. <laughs> <the goat. laughs> I. <P>. <laughs> I was watching
1: uh West wing. I've up to the point where Jimmy Smith is in it. And I believe that's right around the time when they were making the, um, the prequel trilogy and, it's pretty good just to see Bail Organa almost become president. Not to that point yet. but
0: Wow. Is that peak Jimmy Smith's? <laughs> oh, for era? sure. Oh.
1: Yeah. He becomes the president <laughs> on the West Wing. I think that's the highest thing you can achieve in life generally.
0: Where would you put him in a Hollywood TV movie president's
1: um, you really only get to see his inauguration and then uh, the first minute of his presidency. So I can't really speak to that. But he does seem like a pretty decent dude. Uh, I would put him a. Mm, who, who's the president in Armageddon?
0: Armageddon? Why Armageddon?
1: Uh, that dude lets the planet almost get blown up. And then he sends some completely unqualified people to go attack. Oh,
0: that's a, just sheer incompetence.
1: That, that's dumb. <laughs> They're oil dudes. They're not astronauts. They're not qualified to do
0: that. That's that's like very Trumpian. Like he he's gonna see like I'm gonna send
1: um, the best people, so many people, the fat guy. I'm gonna send Kushemmy to blow up the asteroid.
0: He saw Sandra Bullock and George Clooney in Gravity, and he's like, they can do it. I know. I've seen it on my television set.
1: Look, Trump would actually send <laughs> actual Bruce Willis to stop an actual asteroid.
0: Yeah, but would you or would you not believe Bruce Willis could do it? I think he can.
1: Um, I would not because I've uh, I listened to some of Bruce Willis's music, and it's just okay.
0: <laughs> Wait, what? Some of his music?
1: Uh, yes, I believe he does music. Oh, Uh, Return of the Bruno is his latest album, or at least one of his albums. It was released in 1987. It's not his latest. Anyway, he does music. I did know that.
0: Ah, well, I did not know that, but
1: are you thinking,
0: um, the Armageddon, uh, President Stanley Anderson?
1: Is that his name?
0: I believe so. I mean, Hang on. I, like I, I have a little bit of a nugget here. If I'm thinking, right. Pinch it off. <laughs> Gross. Um, yeah. Uh, we're talking Stanley Anderson, RIP. He passed away in 2005. Um, it was and, a very good speech he gave. Or did he um, retire in 2000? <laughs> uh, just kidding. I don't think he died yet. Sorry, Stanley Anderson, if you're listening. <laughs> um, Fun fact, he played the president in Armageddon's in Armageddon and The Rock. So, he's getting some some prez reps, commander in chief movie reps.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I feel like Jimmy Smits would have been an okay president. Um if they ever had uh continued it um he would have been fine. I mean, it was Sorkin's writing, so it would have he would have been a hero. I mean, just because uh he is definitely better than um the president uh camacho or whatever from idiocracy
0: are we sure about that no yes <laughs>
1: one thousand percent yes terry cruz although i love him is not playing like a, <laughs> a smart measured dude in that movie
0: i mean if i had to pick one i'm going with bill pullman's president and in independence day
1: yeah, that speech is a little hokey for me, but he does lead the way with a fighter pilot. Or oh, come with... on.
0: I'd go to war with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess you'd probably have to, wouldn't you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: we should that we probably have a get choice. back to
1: Star Wars.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a Star Wars podcast. I forgot.
1: <laughs> we digress. Um,
0: oh, yeah, here is uh, a fun tidbit. Because you and I obviously were just messing around a little bit. Uh, apparently, Harrison Ford and Luke Hamill, who play Han and Luke respectively, they would Mark Hamill. D- Hamill? Did I say that wrong?
1: Nah, you said Luke Hamill. And while wow, um, the Luke part is Mark close. Hamill,
0: yeah, I mean, no, I he d- you know, embodies the character. Um, they would dick around on set when Alec Guinness, who plays Obi Wan Kenobi, wasn't around. <laughs> because they just respected him so much as a as an actor obviously he was in Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai uh, two just seminally cr- classic movies um, but when he wasn't on set they they just totally cut loose and they were dicking around the entire time which is pretty funny if you think about the Han and Luke dynamic like that's almost perfect
1: yeah that's fantastic I'm very happy to hear that <laughs> I'm also really happy to hear about the respect for their elders. Good for them.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, Luke obviously was, or Luke, God damn it. Mark Hamill was <laughs> just kind of breaking into the movie scene at this point. So he kind of knew, but it's nice to know that Harrison Ford would uh, kind of dial it back when Alec Guinness was on set Um But speaking of Alec Guinness, what did you think of his performance in this movie and like some of the backstory of whether or not he actually wanted to even be in this role?
1: Um, I don't really know any of the backstory as to whether or not he wanted to be in this role. However, in this role, um, I think he did a pretty good job. I don't think it truly jumped out to me. I think it needed to be someone obviously aging uh, to portray an aging Obi-Wan Kenobi, someone with a vaguely British accent, someone who uh, can give just sort of sage snippets of advice and who is athletic enough to chop that dude's hand off at the cantina yeah. and take out those sand people and then last for five seconds in a lightsaber duel. So I liked him. Uh, I don't know if there was someone who could have done it better, but um, at this point his role is pretty iconic.
0: Did you like that his first words when he shows up were, hello there? <laughs> you know, some things never change. That made me laugh. I had to take a note of that. Um, do you want to hear my hot take, though?
1: Wait, do you think they did that in the, in the prequel in, in 3 because of 4?
0: Oh, un- undoubtedly, yeah.
1: God, I hope so. And I hope <laughs> Ewan McGregor just whiffed with just the most enthusiastic <laughs> greeting in the galaxy.
0: I hope so. I hope so. Um, Do you want to hear my hot take, though? Yes. I like Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan better. I like him significantly better, actually.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I don't don't
1: know how hot of a take that is. I'm, I'm pouring a little water on this take.
0: Well, I don't know if you know. There's obviously uh...
1: you spend more time with them. I mean, it's and plus, Ewan sure. McGregor is like a real ass actor, and that he looks like Jesus. I, I've I've heard of people's grandmothers putting pictures of Obi Wan, uh, <laughs> Ewan McGregor up because they think it's a picture of Jesus. So, I mean, that's appealing.
0: Frame him. I'm going to an art exhibit this Friday. Hopefully, um, and I, I hope I see a picture of that. I I would purchase a print. Yeah, for sure. I I'm a little tempted to put one up in my apartment, and then just
1: like ask if someone asks if I'm religious, just go. That's that's Elon. That's the that's the young pope.
0: <laughs> no, no, you say you're damn right. I'm religious. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do you believe in the force? <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but no, I just I didn't know if there was just a whole lot of just random respect for Alec Guinness because he was at one point, you know, probably one of the most. Famous actors in the world, um, but the yeah the backstory around him and his involvement with the movie. There's a lot of uh, questionability with whether or not he actually wanted the role. There's some um, some letters floating out there that he wrote to like a friend while he was on set, talking about how he thought the dialogue was a little bit off and he didn't know if he wanted to stay with the role. Uh, rumors like that. Um, well oh, second result
1: uh alec guinness thought star wars was fairy tale rubbish
0: <laughs> yeah yeah things like that hot take um, <laughs> there's some conflicting reports though because some say alec guinness wanted to get uh killed off in the movie in the first one because he didn't want to do it anymore and obviously just reduce his role significantly and his commitment um but then there's also luke uh George Lucas rather saying that no, I knew Obi Wan was going to be killed off in the first movie right away. Um,
1: so it's yeah, just like you knew Luke and Leia were going to be sisters and brothers right away, all right? Fair, we really believe that's you, George Lucas. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a fair point. Um, it did take a lot of convincing to get Al Guinness to accept this role. Um, if you knew he was going to get killed off anyway, why did you need somebody of like Alec Guinness's prominence anyway. I mean, you casted Peter Mayhew, who was literally working in a hospital, I believe as um, a nurse or uh, an orderly or something like that. You literally cast him because he was like seven foot three and that's all you needed. You know, why do you need somebody like Sir Alec Guinness in that role if you knew you were going to cut him out anyway? So that's why I kind of think that Alec Guinness... A, did not want to stay in this role or did not like it at all. And B, it kind of feels like he phones it in for the entire first half of the movie.
1: I'd agree with those, both of those points. Um, my guess as to George Lucas's rationale for wanting to grab Al Guinness off of waivers would be that <laughs> it brings a little bit of gravitas to the film. I mean, if he's a widely renowned actor seeing his name in the credits, it's going to probably interest some people. I would imagine in 1977, at least come and check out the film. Like if someone with a really good pedigree of films is in it, like you just sort of assume, like, I don't know. That's like the only reason that people saw the great wall of Matt Damon. It's like, this is this really good actor and he's in this film. Otherwise, I don't know if that would have done well. And that might also apply to this, but maybe not because George or, um, because Steven or George Lucas was a goat.
0: Yeah, is there a like another parallel for who that would be today? Like if you know Robert Redford does like a, a secondary role of some kind, or anybody else kind of like that? De Niro, maybe. Uh, I have a pretty pretty good one. Uh, I was looking
1: at Golden Globe nominations, and a movie that has not even come out yet is nominated. I believe uh, the Post with uh Tom Hanks and oh yeah, Meryl Streep, yeah, so I don't sixty four reviews I don't actually know
0: if that's out yet I'm not sure either, but you can't really mess that up if you have Tom uh, Hanks and release Meryl Streep.
1: date re- release date december twenty second so I mean they got advanced screenings, obviously, but it's gonna be nominated for like probably best picture well i I guess it would be um Golden Globe, so it would be best drama, best actor, best actress. Probably best uh, screenplay, I doubt score, but I mean, it, it, people like this movie already just based on who's in it. So, Tom Hanks, I guess, would be the uh, modern day equivalent of an Alec, a Sir Alec Guinness.
0: That's fair. I definitely saw The Circle, that movie with John Boyega and Emma Watson, because, like, Tom Hanks was also a part of that class, but also that. That was such a bad movie. Holy cow.
1: With, wait, Emma Watson, that was the one where... Uh, it's like a social network that spies on you, right?
0: Yeah, basically. It's a Silicon Valley... So it's a... Sure, <laughs> where John Boyega just did not get enough screen time, and Tom Hanks played the bad guy, essentially. Spoilers. Oops. I already hate it. hes yeah, he... It's such a bad movie. Holy cow. That would be... It's like making Emma Watson the bad guy. There's also that kid from Boyhood in it who... I think they're they're really trying to force that kid down our throats nowadays. I can't. I don't even know his name. I do want
1: to go back and watch Boyhood. I haven't seen that again. The first run went really long, but I did like that movie.
0: Yeah, that that is a a long movie. But if you have like the the frame of mind to know that, yeah, this took like years. So obviously, they just have a lot of footage. Um, well, not footage, but a lot of film. Um, let's dive into what you want to talk about before casting for Han Solo. I have some casting for Leia too, but Han Solo, obviously the most crucial part. Um, so here's some names for you. There's a lot of names on this list that were considered, but I wrote down some key ones. Uh, Kurt Russell, Nick Nolte, Christopher Walken, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, Bill Murray, John Travolta, Sylvester Stallone and keep in mind this is the like 19
1: 1970- one more time sorry
0: oh yeah this is like the 1975 versions of these people too so that's
1: yeah I know I was just trying to look up some pictures but that's all like just wrinkled dudes now so, <laughs> so.
0: um Kurt Russell Nick Nolte Christopher Walken Jack Nicholson Al Pacino <laughs> Bill Murray John Travolta and Sylvester Stallone <laughs>
1: Okay, they're all decent choices. I think Christopher Walken would have been the funniest one.
0: <laughs> Christopher Walken would have been. Sorry, Greedo. I uh,
1: don't think that I'm going to pay Java. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I shot you. <laughs> yeah, so that would have been the best one. Um, I think Han Solo, as we said before, is the right choice.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I'd be willing to. Harrison Ford, you mean? What'd I say? Han Solo. Yeah,
1: Han Solo was definitely the right choice to play Harrison Ford in this one.
0: He just embodies the role so much. I think the only one that I probably would have been just okay with is Kurt Russell because I love Kurt Russell and he seems like he's like on the top five list of actors I want to hang out with. Um, But yeah, Harrison Ford just locks this in. Um, One note about Ford too is that. So he was in Lucas's prior film, American Graffiti, right, which was kind of a low-key indie movie, Um, but it got a lot of buzz, obviously a lot of um, hype around it because it was a pretty good film. It's his Um, Queens Boulevard. Essentially, yeah. Um, But he used Harrison Ford to read lines for Star Wars because George Lucas initially wanted just kind of some unknowns to play the role. Obviously, you can see that with... Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher in their respective roles. Um, but then he, much like us, just realized that Harrison Ford is the only person that can play this role. He's the best option just based on him reading lines with the other actors. So he's like, whatever, Harrison Ford, 100% all in. Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, I had read at one point Harrison Ford was a carpenter, but I don't know if that was on... Harrison Ford Carpenter was on the f- scene or on the set of American Graffiti, or if it would have, I guess it would have been after that, since he was not really an actor until he's in movies. But I, I had heard that um, he became a noted actor after someone like spotted him doing carpentry work for a film. Yeah, is, it seems like one of the more unlikely rises to like. W- Household name recognition, just doing just the most humble work, and then just becoming Harrison Ford. That's crazy to me.
0: Yeah, well, from his IMDb biography, so take this with a grain of salt. I don't know how accurate it is, but he had roles in movies and television beforehand, but they I, he remained more of a secondary actor in those, and um, that's when he turned to a career in professional carpentry. Uh, But then he came back to movies like four years later. It's kind of not really said whether or not, I mean, there's that story out there where he was discovered on set or something like as a carpenter building some shit, but I don't think that's accurate at all. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't know about that whole carpentry thing.
1: Uh, it says he became a self-taught professional carpenter to support his then wife and two young sons. And then someone saw him and supported an audition for American Graffiti, which he did eventually get. Uh,
0: so yeah. I don't know if I would have been like on a set. I don't, whatever. It's weird. Well, he has some IMDb, like TV series, TV movie credits um from 66 all the way up until uh, like 1973 when American Graffiti came out. And then uh, some TV movie credits after that. And then obviously Star Wars. And then his career just bloomed up. Apocalypse Now. Episode 5. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Blade Runner. God, that was a great three-year run. Whew! Yeah, he's... Um... Four-year run. Jesus. Five. Oh man, we gotta do a Harrison Ford pod. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I would I was not really joking. I would do an Indiana Jones podcast like instantly. I, I could recite each of the three movies because they only made three, um, verbatim probably for the most part.
0: Absolutely. Um so anyway, the the Leia casting, so this one, um again picturing the like nineteen seventy five ish versions of these people, uh Jessica Lang, Meryl Streep Sigourney Weaver, Farrah Fawcett, Gina Davis, Kim Basinger? Basinger? Basinger.
1: B- Bass singer. Bass singer? No, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, these are considerations. I don't know how far along in the actual um, auditioning process or line reading process they got. There was this one lady from like a German band, too, who had apparently was in the like top running for leia as well um until we got the great legendary carrie fisher in the role Um, can you can you picture anybody else in there kind of being able to give leia the same no
1: i can't there's no there's no way i can't imagine an actress today really that could give her the same um I don't know. There's something she had. I, I would imagine this is what all the casting directors probably said. She just has that something. She can tell she's a princess and you can tell that she cares. Tough as balls. Yeah, she's not just tough, but she's like a good leader. She's I don't know, witty. She could give it right back to smart-ass Han. Uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher just... I mean, out of all the Star Wars movies, I think they just like crushed the casting for this one. I mean, I guess it would have been casting for like a a trilogy. So you just have to nail the main people, but I think they did a better job in this one than they did in the first trilogy. And I guess it's uh, yet to be seen for the third one. Looking forward to the first day. What
0: I'm, what I'm looking back, like, obviously we can't put ourselves in the frame of mind of what it was like to watch this movie in 1977. Sorry folks, just not going to happen. But as somebody who is seeing it, like 40 years later for the first time if you're watching this movie and you see for instance meryl streep in that role you're like oh look it's a young meryl streep like that that's instantly what i would think of i would be like oh look it's young meryl streep or oh look it's um a young sigourney weaver who is in a million other movies right now
1: Um, and some space movies i would imagine this would have changed the trajectory for each actress well and actors all of their careers. If they had been cast differently, I don't know if Meryl Streep would be Meryl Streep today. If she was in a star Wars um, versus doing some of her other earlier work, I don't know if she'd like, of course she'd still be taken seriously, but she's probably considered the best current living actress. And I don't know. I, I, everyone has had tremendous respect for Carrie Fisher, but I don't know how many people consider her to be like a Meryl Streep level, like prestige actress.
0: Yeah. And we'll get to this down the line when we do Force Awakens. But when I watch that movie, that's when I'm thinking, oh, there's Carrie Fisher. But when I watch the older trilogy, I'm like, that is Princess Leia. Like, don't yeah. tell me that is Princess Leia. Don't tell mm. me different. <laughs> 100%. Um, but yeah, uh, casting. So. Let's see here. Who I else has meant for Luke? Um, oh, man, I can't remember his name. The only other name I got was, like, somebody who was his roommate, I guess. And um, he auditioned for the role and didn't get it. And he told Mark, like, hey, you should audition for this part. And nailed it.
1: Yeah. Do you think there was any jealousy or resentment afterwards?
0: <laughs> God, there should have been.
1: Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine that that in terms of just, like, roommate dynamics.
0: Yeah, that'd make me sad. Um, Anyway, some other notes I had. We kind of talked about this before. um, Maybe we touched on it a little bit. But just the the unintentional comedy of the movie. I think there are a lot of, like, funny parts that are just not meant to be, like, purposefully funny. Uh, Maybe that's just the age of the movie or what was uh, s- serious back then isn't necessarily so serious. Now um, there's some, some stormtrooper small talk in there um, before like the Obi-Wan and Darth Vader uh, battle scene, which I thought was hilarious. Um, the, the terrible blaster aim is just super bad. And it's obviously hilarious because it's, it's almost a memeable offense now with the, how badly Star Troopers, or Star Troopers, Stormtroopers aim. I
1: want to get to this, actually. So, uh, you know that opening scene where they storm aboard the, um, that blockade runner? They freaking maul those dudes. They hit all of the, all of the uh, Rebellion defenders aboard Leia's ship, like, immediately. They just wrecked those guys. And In
0: smoke and had- fog, too.
1: Yeah, Obi-Wan goes out of his way to say that these blaster marks are too accurate for sand people, inferring that they're stormtroopers. And then we don't really see them anywhere else other than on the Death Star, where they wouldn't be expecting an assault. I'm team stormtrooper here. I think their aim is fine.
0: I mean, for for the, just the sake of the movie, obviously, they just couldn't have everybody getting... Winged the entire time, or getting taken out by a blaster to the leg, because it's not like a a bullet to the shoulder or something like you see in other movies, where it's like, "Let yeah. me get that out of there." Do like, we want no. accurate storm, like actually accurate stormtroopers,
1: where like they smoke Han Solo in the head in the first five minutes of that encounter? Come on, guys. Yeah, fair give a them a break. <laughs> give them a break. They have a hard enough life.
0: <laughs> Another unintentional comedy moment. Porkins, the pilot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> fat guy
0: I, I thought that was just aggressively mean it's like <laughs> this overweight dude they're just gonna it's like his, his name can't actually be, be porkins like come on
1: <laughs> yeah that's pretty rough uh that one has aged well i think that will be eternally funny that's just great
0: um oh and <laughs> the classic line oh, bullseyeing womp rats in the t-16 that was hilarious, and I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but it was super fucked up to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, we get it, Luke. You uh, you do not like womp rats.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the mark of a serial killer, right? Like, just yeah, slaughtering
1: He Tatooine is a, a rural planet, and I would imagine uh, this is what lots of rural people at least in the united states do is go and shoot rabbits and squirrels with a bb gun or a t16 whatever you have
0: Ah, come on that's like fishing with dynamite i feel like awesome (laughs) um oh and also at the end we should talk about the climax but the the r2d2 dancing at the end just because r2d2 is just funny without actually having any english verbiage i always think he's funny Yeah,
1: I like R2 better in these than I do in the prequel, just because it seems like he's more soul in this one versus the prequel, it's CGI. It's not some dude in there, which Uh, also is a little messed up, but, you know.
0: Yeah, Um, so we should wrap this up, but before we go, I wanted to talk about the the climax of this movie. I thought it was super anticlimactic. Like, they... Yeah, they pull up I, I the Death agree. Star and I'm, I'm sitting there as I'm watching this film I'm like okay where's the where's the intense like John Williams like superhero score uh, when they get back to the rebel base everybody is kind of patting them on the back but there's like 12 people in that hangar and they have this like random medal ceremony um, but it, it just felt like super anticlimactic, and there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue after that. It just kind of trailed off into what looked like just edited up clips that they had.
1: Yeah, uh, um, I mean, I, I think I heard a lot of the John Williams stuff during the, um, during the sequence when they were destroying the Death Star, and once that was over, um, yeah, it just seemed like they figured out like, okay, destroying the death star is the end of the movie. And then we have to figure out a way to wrap this up real quick. Cause we're out of budget.
0: Yeah. I guess that, that does make a lot of sense or maybe they got to that point. They didn't like the ending that they had. So they changed it in some way. I don't
1: Perhaps. know, but I'd be curious to look deeper into this at some point. Um, I do like the music at the end. Um Just the kind of, Imperial-ish sounding horns into the main theme at the end. with um, a little hanging note right before the Star Wars theme starts. I just love that. Gets me jacked up to watch the next one.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I just thought it was a little bit anticlimactic, especially with the, the little, the hanger part after they blow up the Death Star. I was just like, well, they should be just blaring and going gung-ho with that Star Wars theme at that point.
1: They should be playing Starships by Nicki Minaj and
0: drinking <laughs> Coronas. Let's go to the beach. beach. That one's for you, Jamie. Um. Oh, I forgot. MVP of the movie. Let's hit that before we wrap up.
1: Uh, you first.
0: My MVP, I think it's clear and obvious, is Princess Leia. Um, because she sets this movie in motion herself. She Puts the plans in R2, sends it to Tatooine, obviously, to hopefully get into uh, Ben Kenobi's hands. Um, She is captured, held prisoner. Um, Like you said before, she doesn't show a lot of emotion uh, while her planet gets destroyed. But there could be an argument made that maybe that was just a front to appear just tough and not broken in front of these Imperial officers. Um, She has the garbage shoot plan. She gets everybody just in line, basically throughout the entire movie. She's not taking shit. She's not the damsel in distress. She's taking that blaster and she's firing back. So she's my MVP. Go Leia.
1: Very strong organizational skills. So good for her. Um, I would say my MVP was and I, I was thinking while you were talking, it was going to be either Luke or Han, and I'm going to go with Han. Um, he takes care of business at the beginning to get free, He gets them out of the hangar while all the stormtroopers are shooting at them. Um, he gets them to where Alderaan was and is just a generally good pilot in, in between. He has the impromptu skills once they're aboard the Death Star to keep uh, relative newbie Luke from getting his head burned off and then he comes in and swoops in and saves him at the very end when he's doing the uh the trench run to fire those torpedoes into the the shaft so yeah i like han solo it's pretty hard not to
0: that's fair i mean luke definitely was the one that shot the three-pointer with three seconds left but on the just a few seconds before that, Han's the one that stole the ball and passed it to Luke. So uh, good good argument there. Um, But yeah, that's, that's all I got. That's all we have for a new hope. I can't wait to get to the empire strikes back in my opinion. One more thing. Here we go. Oh yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, This is not really anything to do with anything, but uh, Obi-Wan throughout the movie, not really even throughout, just up until, uh, he meets Darth Vader calling Darth Vader, Darth. Like just Darth was really off putting to me. Darth.
0: That, that I almost sounds like. I can sense you. Darth. Darth. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's not his name. <laughs> First name Bruh. Darth, last name Vader. Um, yeah, I can't wait to get to Empire Strikes Back. This one's always been my favorite of all the Star Wars movies. We get introduced to a ton of new characters. Um, not exclusively limited to Yoda and Lando Calrissian. We get some other feature characters that are pretty significant in Star Wars universe. Um, but yeah, anything else to add, Raj, before we log off?
1: Um, I don't have anything relating to Star Wars. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast and you can follow me uh, for some hot, uh, not as many Star Wars takes as I probably should have, um, <laughs> tweets at... at- Raj underscore podge that's r-o-g underscore p-o-d-g-e on twitter.com uh and you can find me here on pod show and uh we'll be getting at least a couple more of these star wars ones out
0: yeah we are going to i swear to god we're going to do our best to get these done at least like through the weekend um so hopefully you guys can have some good things to listen to over the winter break i um, going to be seeing the last jedi Turning up pretty soon here, but before that, we will get you Empire Return and The Force Awakens. Um, as always, thanks for listening. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, my name is Jordan Smith, again, your host. Um, you can follow me on the Twitters at Jordan underscore Smith 27 um, And may the Force be with you. Rain, I'll make you, my lady. Girl, you- I'll call you my baby, we can sleep in there.